Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to the Dork Forest. You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. If you like a determiner, family, pet, ancestry. If you like that joke that I made and then bought a URL because it made me laugh. Anyway, let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard. He sang it with his wife, Sarah Cohen. He will sing again his words to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Uh... Vilmos fixes the website, JackieCation.com, and Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio. There are many ways to support the show, including buying the items that are advertised if they are of any interest to you. I check them out, try to make sure that they are good. So that's what you should do if you like the, the idea of some of the items that are being advertised. You could also just donate to the show if you like. The PayPal buttons are on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com, and you can just donate to the show. I haven't made it super easy for you to donate regular, but I think PayPal has. You can also Venmo me money if you don't like PayPal. My email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com for such an event. You can support the show by using the Amazon button or banner on JackieCation.com or DorkForest.com. It's just a portal. Brings you over to Amazon. You order like normal. It supports the show. Other ways is you can get merch. If you like the idea of a Dork Forest t-shirt, there's two different styles. All the shirts that I sell on JackieCation.com are union-made here in America. So they run a little big, just so you know. They're Bayside Union t-shirts out of Arkansas. So other than that, you can just talk up the show. You could review it on iTunes or tell your friends and family, this type of thing. You do whatever you need to do to support the show. On the merch page, you if you want to support my stand-up comedy, you can buy my CDs or DVD. Everything's available digitally on Amazon and iTunes and all the places where you, where you download audio. Because you can stream it on Spotify and Pandora and all of those things. And my DVD is actually streaming if you don't want to own a hard copy of the DVD, which is only available on JackieCation.com. But if you only want to stream it and just watch it, it's called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. It is a version of that hour. And it is on ComedyFilmNerds.com on their store page. If you have listened to all of the episodes of The Dork Forest, there are probably a dozen or 20 premium episodes over at TheDorkForest.BandCamp.com. They're just live episodes that cost me a couple of bucks to put up. So um, I charge you a couple of bucks. But there's hundreds and hundreds of free episodes. But if you run out, you can go to TheDorkForest.BandCamp.com and get some live episodes if you like. There is a calendar on JackieCation.com that tells you where I'm doing stand-up comedy. Follow me on Twitter and Snapchat and Instagram and all the things, at JackieCation. Enough. Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm in my living room, you guys, and I am with Dave Nadelberg. Long A? It is Dave Nadelberg. Dave Nadelberg. Long long, long A. We've met 13 years ago, probably. That's right. And uh, you do a show called Mortified, which is hilarious, quite honestly. The one that I saw many years ago, a guy sang, he played a song that he had written when he was 16. It was a love song on his guitar, and it was excruciatingly, hilariously sweet and funny and horrible. I'm wondering what that song was. Was it called? Well, you wouldn't know. I can't remember, but I remember that it was a delight. Did it go, girl of my dreams? (laughs) It might have. If so, I know who that was. 
It was my friend Kevin Flanagan uh, turned me on to your show. Oh. It was at M Bar at the time, and uh, he is a huge fan. And I, what I've listened to it, it's always been delightful, and it's such a great idea. Because tell people what Mortified is. So uh, Mortified is a show that uh, where adults read their most embarrassing childhood writings. Often that is diary entries, but it could be ridiculous teenage poetry or song lyrics. Uh, or plays that you wrote when you were a kid, and then they read that in front of total strangers um, to reveal a story about their life. And so we've yes. been doing that for 15 years uh, all around the country, but it began in Los Angeles, and now there's So you're doing Netflix it on the road, too, and, and stuff. And you're doing it, got it, got it on Netflix? Yeah, we have a movie on Netflix called Mortified Nation and a, and a series called The Mortified Guide, and then we have a podcast. And, awesome. Um, that is, and it's at Mortified on Twitter, and it's GetMortified.com. That's so right. people, I'm sh- I'm sure Rangers of the Dork Forest, and, I've talked about it before. And so. let's say well, how we met because it's through that. Right. Isn't that exciting? It was. And, <laughs> and I did – well, because I, I have journals I wrote. I started – I saw Red Harriet the Spy and then I started the journal when I was eight. And then – And you thought you were a child reporter. I thought I was a child. I did a lot of spying. Yeah. And then uh, when I was about 11 or 12, my parents uh, told me that I was nuts. So there was an episode of M.A.S.H., the TV show MASH, yep. where Sidney Friedman writes to Sigmund Freud. And I started writing to Sigmund Freud when I was about 12. Is and that what you read me 13 yeah. years ago? Yes. Why wonder? I want to hear that again because it's, we're much better at at, um, at being able to pick something. It was too long. That, well, that might have been. but Yeah, it was too long. But there might have been a snippet or something. But it was – essentially it was me – like I – I've used it on other things sure, and sure. it's and it's um it's a great writing exercise is, is to go look back at your old whatever you did when yeah. you were in junior high and high school or whatever and try to get new inspiration from all that stuff and it's great. Yeah, it's um I always say that like it's um your your teen angst stuff is like a teen is like a teen angst tea leaves. Like, okay. <laughs> if you look back into your past, no for real. Yeah. Um like no matter what – like something you wrote even when you were seven and, and it doesn't mean anything, you think. Right. And you look at three of those things from your past, you will start to notice patterns and like little secret ingredients that you're like, huh, what do I do today? Well, I'm a comedian. I'm a podcaster. I'm a wife. Like there's a million – like there's a – however you can Right. However you me, define yourself right? in a, a thousand and boxes. Exactly. And you can, you can be like, well, what are, the, what are the attributes I have in all those different roles? And you can start to see – the trail that right. like made you from just by reading what you wrote when you were like 12. And what you were just saying about one one of the things that you're fascinated by the idea of titles. Yes. And um it reminded me in 5th grade I had a teacher named Mrs. Kouth who did not like me. She liked my sister, year and a half older. Anyway, but Mrs. Kouth had a great uh thing that she did one of her exercises for writing yeah. was she would make up a title of a short story that we all had to write we it was like improv where everyone would yell out an idea and then she'd put together the great tale of the dog who bit its own tail or yes. whatever right and it would be sometimes it, it it was never like fart jokes and stuff like that but it was almost that like it yeah. was almost the dumb when you're 10 you know, it's a lot of bodily functions. It's all it's all that stuff. And so it would be a really long title. And then everyone had to write their own two-page story. Ten years old, 500 words, plenty of words as a, as a child. And I reread them. They're gone. I cannot find them because they would have been perfect for Mortified mm. <laughs> because I read probably three of them. And in every single one of them, 
It's about a little girl who beats up adults. And fascinating. What do you think that that means? What do I think that means? It yeah. means that there was a lot of adults what, what, who were hitting me, and I wanted to hit them back, <laughs> and I wanted there to be some sort of reversal of power. Wow. And and that's a and that's a lit- that that's the, not a joke. That's, no, and yeah. genuinely, that's what I feel like it was entirely about. That's great. It was hilarious. Not great for your young you that you no, experienced no. that, but but great. But that hilarious. You're able to- yes, and. And that's and I lived. I mean, it's yeah. over now. Yeah. There's no hitting. So, uh, but the uh, the hilarious thing is that you can totally see it. Like by the second one, I was like, "What is happening? What? Mm. How? How is she a super? Bu-? She's a child, anyway." Because the kid was always like six or seven years old, and um, and the adults were always bad guys. And she would always throw them to the ground and then the cops would come because uh, I was raised among a lot of white trash who were constantly calling the cops on each other and threatening to call the cops on Where each other. Where was that? In South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a little factory town. Oh. Yes. There was oh. a lot of, I'm going to call the cops on you. And you're like, when, is, when has that ever worked in your favor? That has never worked in your favor. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny and Carrie Anderson. I think they were twins. They were dirtbags. I hope to God that they've found themselves. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, but no hostility, no grudges. No, I mean just a vague sort of. My sister, I mean, I, I, it's there's sort of funny hostility towards it. Yeah. My sister is literally like when she goes to South Milwaukee, she's like, "Can't you see what this town needs? Which is a match and some sort of propellant." <laughs> and uh, you're like, "How's it going?" And she's like, I'm "Still working through it." And uh, so. But I love so you're able to like look back into those things and and really see the see like oh I'm wrestling with a thing like I find that people all the time when we ask them in mortified we say you know like well why did you write this and the main reason we're asking that is because we're always trying to figure out the angle in which you're going to hear it through like somebody gets on stage and says hey I'm Jackie when I was twelve um, I wrote to Sigmund Freud. Right, and we don't just say that. We okay. try to we try to set up a story. Oh, interesting. And so part of that story setup is is this notion of of well, a motivation. Like, well, why? Like, what was this kid trying to get out of it? And and the first response everyone always says is, "Oh, I don't know. I was just I was, I was ten. I wasn't thinking. Like, I didn't right. I didn't write this for any reason." And you go, "Okay," mm-hmm. and it's like, <laughs> and it's not because you're trying to be some shrink. It's just it's like everybody does. It's like. Everything you do, do you do for a reason with a motivation? And it might be, um, you just you just aren't thinking of it as a motivation, right? And and you might have had seven different motivations for writing a thing. Like for instance, maybe you also loved action films. Maybe you also you know, sure but one is. of those things was yeah. very biographical, and it was about you and your relationship to adults and power, and that's great, right? And you can I, what I love about it is that that's a great. I mean, that's a great idea because if you don't think about with any sort of lens, having anybody go, here's what I see when I hear that piece, yeah can be revelatory to the person who wrote the piece and never thought of it like that. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of, I'm sure you've looked at people's stuff and gone, do you ever think it's this and blown their minds a little bit? Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, um, I don't know. Not in a shrink way, but whatever, but well, uh, people, people have epiphanies all the time with or without our help. Uh, just going back, uh, through your old journals, um, and notebooks and, even home movies is, um, oh, yeah. in addition to being a fun excuse to drink, yeah. <laughs> uh, is is so um, it's such a powerful lesson about like who you are and, and how you became the person you became. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Now, do you want to do the title thing, or do you want to talk about Walt Disney? 
Um, we can even flip a coin. I don't even care. It's, but, well, uh, let's start with Walt Disney just okay. because he's um, he's so specific. He is specific. And you're fascinated by him. Yeah. And I I know that his head is frozen somewhere. Yes, and that under, he's under the ground right here. Under the ground in Los Angeles? It's <laughs> <No>. buried? <laughs> Are Probably. we on an ancient Disney burial ground? Will there be ghosts of Goofy and whatever? Yeah, so but didn't they cut off his head and freeze it? Well, that is that is there's one one of the fun things about Walt Disney is um, that makes him fascinating is, um, <laughs> you know, he's a man who co-opted fables and storytelling and sort of made it like no, Cinderella is mine now, right? And, oh, right. And, and so that's now, a hell of a and way. Now to, you've, yeah. And now his whole life has become this its own fairy tale and fable um, because like. Is he frozen? You know, is like all these different things about like the lore of Walt Disney. And um, I'm not a, and I, sh- I should clarify this. I am not a Walt Disney fanboy. Okay. In the sense of like, I do, ad- I admire the hell out of what he built. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you like an occasional Disney product? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, first of all, I love Pixar. Okay. Um, and I like a lot of the um, Disney uh, movies. And I also, would take shots at many of the Disney things. Sure. But um, I'm, I'm less interested in him from one of those, like, fa- like, like I, I can't remember the last time I was at Disneyland. And um, there's a lot of those Disney people who like dress and like Disney. Yeah, things. They collect pins. I've yeah. had a couple on. I've and, uh, yeah. And um, I've had Imagineers on and, and I mean, there's, there's the fandom, yeah. but that's, you're just fascinated by the man, by the man, because yeah, <laughs> his le- childhood or his, his adult life actually but i'm actually most fascinated by by the bookends by by the childhood and and what happened to him in the last few years of his life how did his um, life begin do you yeah so he grew up um uh, like you and me i'm from michigan okay um, uh he's a midwesterner and um so he grew up in the in various places in the midwest his dad uh i think was not a very good businessman okay which i think starts to inform like oh he's gonna be a reaction against his right you know screwy dad and um at some point, he winds up in this town of Marceline, Missouri. In Marceline, I think he's there for like three years, and it's at those time. It's at this time where like, um, you're like eight or something like that, where it's like you're too young to be home with your mom, right? right. But you're too old to back what you would do then, like, or maybe he was too old to either be in school during. Maybe it was like during the summer, or too old to like definitely work, right? So that left him to like wander out into the into the fields and like interact with nature. And it I think this moment in this man's life, everything that happened in like the two, three years he was in Marceline. Right. Everything shaped our entire world. And that's why I'm interested in it. Yeah. Like it like his mind got expanded and affected so much in the summer of Nineteen twelve, yeah, or whatever. whatever. Yeah, I think what happened to Walt Disney in those formative years of his life um, left such an impact that he kept trying to recreate it over and over and over again. I can I can take you through that. Yeah, but it's it's neat and it's to to back up for a quick second. I think few people have built what Walt Disney has built. And again, I, I don't say this as a fanboy. I say this as just objectively. Um, oh, it's I think, a fact. Yeah. I think it's a fact. And it's it's different than being a successful businessman. Like um, the only person I can compare him to might be Henry Ford. Um, maybe, maybe like a, maybe a Steve Jobs or something. Or, and actually Thomas Edison or somebody like that. But, but um, in that, 
Disney created um, – it's not just entertainment that he created, but he like reinvented um, uh, his 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 – Presence and and uh, is felt in in the worlds of of how we market things, uh, storytelling and and, and um, uh, branding things, right? Uh, copyright law. Um, you could probably open up any magazine or newspaper today, and at some point there will be a reference to Disney. And even if it's not a thing about Disney, it's that much in our blood, right? Like like we could be writing an article about what happened um, recently with the Jerusalem. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, in Tel with with the the capital, right? Of uh, of Israel, Israeli being, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, being moved right there, and terrible story, nothing to do with Disney, and probably somewhere in some article, there's some reference to maybe it says like the Disneyfication of something, right? Or, they're hoping to Steamboat Willie's going to come, yeah, through, whatever. There, who there's, knows? There's so often a reference, and it's it really this man cast a shadow from such a small place. And um, I think part of that shadow is really healthy and wonderful because I think he created a lot of great things. And I think a lot of what he created um, is stifling and a little, like a little conservative for my blood. And um, like what? I mean, the thing is, is is there's things that I learn. Oh, saccharine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's, he definitely, he, he puts such a a, a, a polish on things, yeah. you know. It's a rock tumbler kind of situation. Any example, Pocahontas, you know, um, sure. the Song of the South. You know, I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna take something that is clearly monumental injustice, and he's yeah. gonna uh, put primary colors on it and and turn it into something that has a, a good beat, and we're gonna dance to it. So he's gonna reinvent history. From these things, and those that that is something that he did that feels uh, negative, right? And I think if you look around, I'm just looking around your apartment right now, like the influence of Disney or even like Disney Imagineers, like how that is, like or Disney storytelling, anything is probably. Uh, the celebration of pop culture was what he like. He he brought childhood. I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is he brought childhood into adult? lives yeah he was he was probably he made it okay to be a kid forever that's true um and probably I, I don't think he's the first to do that but i think he is somebody who um certainly monetized it <laughs> monetized it better than anybody ever had yeah and um so so here's this guy with this crazy scope uh of influence and what i mean by like i felt like he's always trying to recreate marcelin wherever he went yeah. like you so you look at his films and they kind of all harken back very often to like a turn of the century um, or at least the live action uh, stuff to turn of the century America when things were like, it's like the original make America great again. kind He's of thing. A, the original simpler time guy. Yep. Yep. And so because um, he was eight, because he was eight. Yeah. And, and just saw the world <laughs> through whatever prism that was <laughs> exactly. And, um, and part of that is accurate uh, sight. And part of it is, 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 you know, well, what you know, you, you, what you didn't see as a kid. I'm doing a bit about how that's my least favorite part of every generation is some banana head who says it was a simpler time because you're like, yes, you were a child. Yeah. It should have been unless you were 11 in Hong Kong <laughs> working in a sock factory. So uh, – but yeah, I mean, yeah. So I never thought of him. He is a simpler time guy. And so you you think about like the, the, uh, like the movies that he made um, – 
you know, are all harkening back to, to sort of this, this world, this era, um, or whether they are literally the environment of the town. And I'll get to that in a second with, with the, the theme park, but, but also like really just sort of this, the elements of whatever he defined childhood to be. So for whatever reason, something happened to him in this town that was good, but also I think there might've been dark forces that are not reported on in terms of his well, like trauma or yeah, I, I do. I, I, I know that he had a turbulent, uh, at times relationship, I think to his dad and, um, but regardless, it's not for me to sort of right. I'm I'm trying to think of sort of the early, the his earliest stuff. Yeah, with, that he wrote. Well, you so know? so so his earliest stuff was you know car- short cartoons. Right. And so one of the neat things about him is that's also just really inspiring is, you know, he was just making these. He's just he wasn't this giant business guy. He was this guy making these little tiny funnies. Right. Uh, him, him and his buddy Ub or Ub Iwerks, like they were right. like partners in this animation thing in Kansas, and they're like, "Let's go, let's go west, boys, let's go west, fellas." <laughs> and so they did that, right? And, and they they started having success, and they made this thing, um, uh, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, okay. which some listeners probably know, and some don't. Most, I don't. most don't. And he thought Oswald the Route Lucky Rabbit. Oh, this is my, this is my, this is my, this is my thing. This is, this is when I get buried, I'm going to be known for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. This is a big hit cartoon, mm-hmm. and this thing happened where um, he wound up um, uh, having a dispute with a distributor. Okay, and the distributor's like, "Cool, fuck you. I'm not going to pay you any more uh, money. You've asked for a pay raise, but um, but I am going to. And if you ask again, I'm going to take." over control of Oswald. Wow. And he's like, you can't do that. He goes, yeah, I signed the rights. You signed them to me. Oh my God. He's like, what? And he goes, well, then I'll just, me and my fellow workers, we're just going to go make more cartoons. And then the guy, the distributor um, said, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to hire them and pay them double. Okay. So, so you're fucked. Oh, he totally did that. And he did that. And basically, um, but it was, you know, and I, I use this as a lesson for for the creation of Mortified because Mortified kind of came from a moment of failure, um, uh, where like my career, I, I thought things were crashing, and then I thought okay. I want to rent a theater for a night. Uh huh. And um, you know, what if I could be my own green light for just one night, not sure. knowing that this would become fifteen years of my life. <laughs> and and so Walt Disney in this sort of dark moment was like left with nothing. And then at some point, this is part of the lore, whether, right. whether this is true or not, he's on a train. There's other versions of the story, but he's on a train, he's doodling and he's, he's, he's got nothing. And he just starts drawing this mouse, mm-hmm. some version of what becomes Mickey mouse. Right. Based on like, there used to be mice in his like work shed and he used to feed them and okay. like, he used to drive his So he liked crazy. mice. Yeah. He was this weird guy. Weird guy who liked mice. Yeah, Good for you, sir. And so he wound up um, – and if I'm screwing up facts, then – People will email me. Yeah, Jackie at Jackie. They'll be like, this guy is wrong. And it's and like – Nobody sure, cares. Yeah, no one gives a shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because there's just, some it's satisfaction. It's about me dorking out about it, whether yes, I'm right or not. exactly. But, you know, this is like my half if, – if, if that's what inspires you yeah. to go forward, because that, that's – Yeah. If he's just doodling on a, pl- on a train, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's like, well, I'm going to animate this mouse. Yeah. That's amazing. And and he creates this thing and um and then he becomes highly, highly protective over the legalities of over the copyright. Ah. We must always own the fuck out of everything. <laughs> 
like, and that's why Disney is to this day. Years ago, Mortified did a pilot with ABC. Yeah. Um, that uh, clearly was a huge hit. Clearly. And, and got it's on the a, air. Everyone um, knows it. Everyone knows it. <laughs> um, and man, were they, you know, motherfuckers trying to get the rights to everything. And it was like, oh, it all comes, like it was built into this, d- the DNA. And so he. Right. Sorry. So that, wait, they get, so when they wanted the rights to the stories to some extent, is that the deal? Uh, well, this is a whole other thing. This yeah. was a weird. Um, because this was someone had the, the the wise idea to do a sitcom based on Mortified. Oh, okay. And this is the part you go, that makes no sense. It doesn't make any, any sense. sense. And I said, <laughs> and I t- said that at the time. Yep. And um, But I will accept your cash. I will accept your <laughs> shitty payment. Exactly. And, and then we'll we'll all waste six months trying to make this into something exactly that isn't real. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we will pretend that this is a good idea. And um, You know what's a great idea? Taking somebody's piece from Get Mortified. Or mortified, mm-hmm. and turning that into a sitcom, sort yeah. of like the Chris Rock childhood thing, or something yeah. like that, right? And that's that's certainly a thing we've we've. Uh, Which is a better idea because it's a very specific. The more specific a story, yeah. The more fun I like that story. The more more whatever for me anyway. Yeah. Oh, and the best part, yeah. I mean, I could bitch about that, but yeah. Uh, but the um, so yeah, so 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 like, and they became like highly protective over all this stuff. And then when you look at eventually and, – and so then he starts creating like – you know, he starts getting the idea of like, oh, this – Mickey Mouse starts catching on obviously. Right. And um, he's like, I want to make a, a move. You know, he starts getting bigger and bigger and more ambitious. But at some point he decides I'm going to make the first color live action sound – not live action. First animated color and sound movie, which would be Snow White. And people are thinking like – you're this crazy person. Oh, right. Nobody's going to spend a 20 cents to go see a right. cartoon. That's longer than four minutes. Right, because nobody's no, – there's no, one, no story. No one watches cartoons for more than four – cartoons are just like this fleeting, like, oh, isn't that cute that you made the flowers dance? Wait, was Snow White the first feature-length cartoon? For him. And, okay. and it was – there were other – there was a um, there were other feature length cartoons, or okay, longer but, ones, but they were uh, but, but his they were, was but they beautiful. Were, but they were black and white, right? Or they didn't have sound, or you know, this was the first whole package, the whole package of what you know. And people they called it Disney's folly. They just thought this thing was going to be a this insane flop. And what I really admire about that guy, the guy, <laughs> that guy, Walt-y, that's fine, Walt. I like to call him Walt. Um, is is just. I don't think you do that because you're a great businessman. I think you do that because you're a dreamer. Yeah. And I think you do that because built into you is this fuck you to 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 the system. And um, Right, he needed to make that art. He didn't need yeah. to make the money. And the si- but he got paranoid about the money and about the rights that that he ended up making the biggest pile of money. Exactly. And yeah. and then and then the same thing happened years later. He's like wants to make a theme park. He took his kids to what is now the Beverly Center. Okay. At La Cienega in Beverly. Right. Um there was a carnival or something back there in the day. And it was this what carnivals were back in those days were like run down pieces of shit with like weird people sure. with like one two Carnies. Carnies, right? Yeah. And he's like, I he wanted to make it more saccharine. Yeah. And, but also safer and a place that you would feel safe bringing your kids to and that the rides would be clean and everything. And so he's like, I'm going to make my own 
theme park and people are like that's not a thing just <laughs> no, like snow like, white wasn't like a, a thing right like a destination theme park had yeah. never existed yeah um and they were like island. why would you want to make coney island i guess but like Closest, why, but yeah. i think even coney island maybe they were like why would you want to make one of those gross <laughs> coney Island? yeah <laughs> like they and he's like but you don't understand it can be this whole other thing right and it was it's like gonna this, be amazing and it was this other thing where people were like you're insane and I just – I don't think you build anything as large as like what Henry Ford built or what he built or – you know, George Washington so, George is, a, is a literally when, – when you were talking about people building something that were monumentally unlikely, mm-hmm. Henry Ford and, and Thomas Edison I think are famous for co-opting other people's ideas yes. and, and then creating the legend. And being assholes. Uh, and being assholes. And then Racist. creating <laughs> – Yeah, creating the legend about themselves yeah. as they were doing sure. it. But George Washington, who was arguably also a giant fucking asshole, yeah. but he what he did that oh, was, he was the worst that Washington. But what was amazing the mo- the most no amazing idea. thing that George Washington did was after two terms he stood down. The fact that he said, "No, I'm done. We have to if we're going to continue yeah. to have a country, I will eventually die. I don't want." He didn't have any I don't kids, I don't think. Yeah, well, you don't want a king. Nobody wants a king. So you're going to have to pick somebody. So it was, yeah. I mean, literally like that, like to create something that he wanted to go forward, even if it's all an illusion, which yeah. is all that a Democratic Republic is. But uh, I Whoa, love – that just I, got super deep. Well, I love a fake it till you make it government. I'm a big fan of let's <laughs> pretend until we are a Democratic Republic. Anyway, uh, the, it's a different – podcast yeah okay so but um i think that was trump's campaign platform which is like <laughs> just fake it till you make it uh no no he was he was uh i i'm uh, i'm gonna sell to the guy in front of me that's yeah. uh that's his thing he's like no i'll promise whatever you want oh uh, someone standing next to you. I'm also going to promise whatever that guy wants. Diametrically opposed. I, you'll both get it. Neither of you will get it. He will uh, get twelve dollars. So, so anyway. get this. When so when he makes the park, mm-hmm. uh, yes, please. It, it becomes it becomes this <laughs> you know eventual like this success. And Main Street USA, which is the section in the park where he also had an apartment, is right. all modeled after. That architecture and that time of Marceline, Missouri, of his boyhood, like he this and he even like. But it's a forced perspective, isn't it? Isn't it at like seventy five percent? Maybe for children. That's per, what I was told. Is perhaps. that it's it's at it's at seventy five percent of like the first level is a hundred percent. Yeah, because those are the real stores, and then like the 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 apartments and the things that are uh they're, right. they're at thirty percent. So that that makes sense. The whole the whole main street is a forced perspective kind and of they, situation. And they do really smart things where it's like you because I have a friend who's Imagineer and I know you've had Imagineers on, but like. They do a thing where it's like everywhere you look, I don't want to ever see the parking lot through the – I oh, want right. to be in the world. Yes. Where it's like when you go to Magic Mountain, Six Flags doesn't give that kind of shit. No, no. no. Like, they want, yeah, it's OK if you see the – It's sort of like Universal one. too where Universal wants to give as much of a shit as uh, Disney does, but they can't. Nobody has ever been able to my, – my brother Phil brought his kids and he doesn't like amusement parks. So he's he spent a half an hour sitting right by the castle on one of those benches. Littering and counting the minutes until someone came out with a a, a broom yeah. and a and a thing to pick up. Amazing. Like he was just throwing popcorn on the ground. So, and yeah, oh, sorry. that's it. So like, um, it you know, I feel that we're all living in this man's obsession with his own childhood. 
Which is something yeah, I can are. really relate to, given that I do this show about everyone, like that is about the past and childhood. Mm-hmm. And I just find it really fascinating that we're in his sort of psychosis. Like we're, we're in his, um, world. Yeah, it's his AI. And then, and we just live in it. <laughs> well, and so then when you go to the end of his life, mm-hmm. this is the part that doesn't get written about a lot. And, and I'm, this is my favorite part of his life. Um, he is dying of lung cancer and, um, you know, he's like, I want to create, um, he starts, he goes to, uh, the swamps of Florida to, uh, secretly to, to, he's buying up all this land and people are like, somebody's buying up all this like shitty land here in, (laughs) in like Orlando. Who the fuck wants this? And it turns out it's Walt Disney and he has a couple of ideas. One is he wants to make a Disneyland that's bigger than the one in Anaheim so that he could own the properties. And again, it's all about the control and like, yeah. like doesn't just own the park, but also owns the hotels and everything around. And spoiler alert, it yeah, works. It works. <laughs> and, um, exactly. <laughs> and so he winds up um, having this idea to make another park. And then he also has this other weird idea called Epcot. But not the Epcot that you know. Okay. Epcot stands for, for and it's a terrible name. Um, right, right. But it uh, stands for uh, Environmental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Basically, Future City. F- okay. And um, like this is uh, – was I? What year is this that, this is that the Disney late, World uh, – Well, Disney World I think opens in the late 70s. Okay. Or maybe it opened in the early seventies or late sixties, but he he dies, I believe, in the in the late sixties. Okay, mid to, mid to late sixties. Um, I think sixty six. Okay, I could again. You'll right, get, right. You'll get the angry emails. People and, have Google. Yeah, it's all going to work. Exactly. Out. They'll figure it out. I was just curious. <laughs> but so, um, so he, I think, has this. The real reason he wanted to do all this was for this other thing, which is Epcot, which is. It was not supposed to be a theme park. It eventually opened up in the 80s and became known as this World's Fair type theme park. Right. But Epcot literally was supposed to be what its name was. It was going to be um, – An environmental – Prototype community of tomorrow. <laughs> um, okay. It was a living laboratory for a future way of life. Um, it was going to be the town – the city of the future. Okay. Um, where uh, you could live and it would be like – Sort of marceline on the outside, yeah, and maybe, a, but everything modern, maybe a little bit of Jetsons on the inside. Okay, and it would, huh. it would it would really rethink whatever we didn't like about urban blight and 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 the suburban sprawl. He was really fascinated by like urban planning. Okay, and he hated how Los Angeles was just this sprawl. It just kept spreading out, <laughs> and you know, so the idea of this was that it would be like. You'd always be in walking distance to a park, and the streets would be structured like rings, kind of like how DC is structured. And oh my god, I'm being creeped out. I was yeah. just in, I think Cleveland, or it was either Cleveland or the town we did before Cleveland, Columbus. Okay. Whatever. We uh, I stayed in a hotel that was attached to essentially a mall, an outdoor kind of mall that had a park and a fitness center. And then a chains, like it looked like a minimum security prison. 
Hmm. It looked like the place where the Watergate guys ended up. They're like, we're, we have a choice, P.F. Chang's or Cheesecake Factory. I mean, it literally – like it feels like that's what he kind of wanted. Like he was trying to create – Like the Grove in Los Angeles, like, like that mall? Like, yeah, with, with like – yeah. Houses attached to it, but yeah. like more bucolic than the Grove. Well, and this is all happening all over the country, and and, right. and I'm not putting judgment on it because there's there's real great aspects no, no. to it. It and was then there's incredibly also creepy soothing. aspects to it. Yeah. It was like Stepford wifey, but it was yeah. also accidental tourist. The greatest moment of my life. I was like, oh, there's a Starbucks. Yeah, it's all going to be fine, and <laughs> I could go get exactly. And there was a, a chopped salad bar where I was like, oh, if I want to eat healthy, I right. don't have to go to. Whatever I can go get a job. I mean, it was enormously soothing. That's that's amazing that that's even in Ohio. I love that. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, and like the idea of like there would be front porches on every house, like because okay, because that was something that was removed in in, in uh, out west and, and in a lot of places because because of the if sun. You, if you, I don't know why, but it's like if you have a front porch. It does make for a friendlier neighborhood because it means you're going to be sitting out there and like you get to know your neighbors. I think he, and the idea was also like I want to hide all driveways so that like you enter the driveways kind of go into the back into some sort of alleyway. Right. And so I don't want to see trash on the lawn and, and everything was like the creepy part is like pristine and controlled but like also – it looks creepy, but it's super nice, and also soothing a lot of the problems of of, of right. our modern of of like of what we did lose when we kind of grew and made suburbia, right? And and so finding that sort of balance. Um, so he he does this thing. Um, he starts planning it, but of course, this is a bad business idea. Just like the park and just like Snow White were a bad business idea, and uh, I think everybody was kind of humoring him. He dies without it being made, but my favorite moment. That's in every biography about him, and no one ever elaborates on this more. And right. this is like, I'm obsessed with this moment. <laughs> he lies on his deathbed, he's in his hospital, and he would point at the ceiling, at the at the grids on the on the hospital ceiling. Okay. I like that you just looked up in case. Oh yeah. In case just in case here. I had grids. Yeah. Or he was gonna show up. And he would point and he would say, Over there, that's where the fountain is. And over there. That's where Town Square is. And over there, that's where the post office is. And he would be recreating this this thing. Wow. And I, I think this man, like I said, we're all and eventually that town did kind of get made. Right. In the nineties, they rebranded it as uh, as the as the thing of the world. Right. Well, well no, that's Epcot. Epcot became a park and then okay. they re- eventually did release a, a a town. I should say also the idea for the town was this is the super creepy part. Uh, it would be his employees living there, and you, as an as a tourist, could go watch behind like glass and like see like what are the residents of oh, Creepyville doing. Like, yeah. Pleasant. Anyway, so and that's it, not spooky at all. <laughs> no, so they did create a town. It's called Celebration. Disney does own it, um, and um, it's in uh, it's it's in that. it's in Florida. It's in Florida, all and right. um, and I've been there, and it's in you know fine. in Wisconsin in the Wisconsin Dells. There used to be – I think it was built right around the same time. They must have had the same vision. And it was called the Foam House of Tomorrow. Uh. And the Foam House of Tomorrow was essentially styrofoam, but more than that, right? Because it lasted, I don't know, 25, 30 years. They knock it down and the next year, nostalgia kicks in and they're like, oh, shit. Uh, anyway, but um, the Foam House of Tomorrow was Were like you igloos. You could, go, you could walk through it. 
But were you ever in it? I was. Yeah, we oh, went wow. to we went to the Dells one time in like seventy two, and it was there. And then I lived in the Dells in eighty six or mm. eighty seven, and worked worked there the one summer. And it was still there, but it was completely like block. I mean, I think it was after that that they knocked it down because it was all fenced off and nobody and everyone was embarrassed by it, and it was a joke. Yeah. Except for that, if they would have kept it, it would have become like this weird nostalgic. Like Howard Stark kind of yeah. thing where you're like, eh, it didn't work, but look at how cool it is and weird. And, um, but the foam house of tomorrow always, it made me, it always made me think of, cause there's a bunch of weird things like that where I think in the late sixties, everyone was like, it's going to be the Jetsons, but I do miss yeah. the music man or whatever, like the, that, the Missouri. And there's thing. a nobility to that. I, I think there's, there's a, there's a really good, Levit- trying to create or Levittowns, which are around the uh, there's they're in Puerto Rico, they're in I think like the American South. There's like a bunch of and they're in Pennsylvania. It's like these planned communities that started happening I think in the 60s. Okay, um, but and and now they're they're quite all the rage with like mixed use malls. Like, okay, like there's a lot of places that are like for those who know the Grove in Los Angeles, but but that have. Um, you know, but that have residences and you're right. And, it's a residence, and then the ground like there's condo kind of situations yeah. in Minneapolis where the ground floor is like a, a grocery store and a and a and a coffee shop and yeah. a and a and a workout joint, and then um, right and maybe a print shop. Merging what's great about a city with what's also great about sort of more rural life. Yeah, and so I think. In in theory, all of that is really great. In practice, it is often only affordable to stores that can pay for twenty year leases. So you only get Chipotle's in there, and right. you don't get an actual burrito show. Yeah. So it's like it, it loses a lot of its authenticity when that happens. But right, I mean, one of the things I love about Los Angeles is the strip mall, and uh, you know, the strip mall has been vilified. Yeah. But the strip mall is one of the most egalitarian things in the world. Mm. If you go to you if you find an amazing strip mall in Los Angeles that has like two or three like there's no need for an anchor store. And it could all just be a bunch of privately owned weird things. Right, that's like, true. There's usually a donut shop and there might be a nail salon yep. and a dry cleaner. Mm-hmm. But they're all privately owned. And then in addition to that, it might be a restaurant, the greatest papoosery yeah. that you've ever had in your life. Or there's a weird Armenian bakery and you're like, what happened? <laughs> and uh, and so like there's a uh, – yeah, or a shaved ice. Like there's Tony's Mexican is yeah. one of my favorite Mexican restaurants, like Coldwater and Magnolia. And so Tony's Mexican is in there and I try to use all of the things in the mall to try to make it the one stri- – like in New York – you would go to a block, yep. and it would be like a privately owned dry cleaner, and then and then your your coffee shop, and then a diner, and that's what I want every strip mall in Los Angeles to be—just a pile of just five privately owned businesses, what, and they what, usually are, but sometimes they're bad. People often think of Los Angeles as a city, and I always try to explain to people who are new to the city. Um, it is, but it's uh, not what you think of when you think of Chicago, Toronto, New York. Those are proper cities, and there's cities, city areas in Los Angeles. But for the most part, Los Angeles is a very metropolitan suburbia. Yeah, and so it's it's a lot of strip malls, and there's not much above four stories tall. Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's there's the downtown, which has like just the devil's thumb just sticking yeah. out of nowhere, but yep. it's mostly just you're right, like. 
strip I don't malls. know, maybe 10 stories of yeah. downtown Burbank max. Yeah. And so like the area where like you are, it's like, you know, everything is like two stories. Everything's two stories. And, <laughs> so I think Kaiser Permanente is over there and, and that's a cow. And I like that because I like having horizon lines and I, okay. li- I don't like being boxed in by like concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yeah, it makes everything very sprawly. And, um, but one of the fun things is there used to be a, a strip mall in Atwater Village, which is the area of Los Angeles, where there was um, – it's rare that there's a bar in a strip mall for some reason. Yeah. But, but even more rare, in Atwater Village, there was a place where there was a basement underneath the strip mall. Oh, weird. Yeah. And there was a speakeasy underneath that. And like there, it was like – That's you, a weird you would strip walk, mall. You would walk into a liquor store and at the bottom there was a staircase, a spiral staircase, and you'd go underground – and like that is not a thing. There's never basements. There's, there, I can count like it's not a hillside. Place no, either. on one hand, I can count the number of basements I've been to in most of California. Yeah, so that's insane. It was weird, and then it went out of business uh, uh, because there was like a whole scandal of like I think like the owner shot some other like it was some like murder right. thing. Right. There's always, sometimes there's a murder thing in Los Angeles, <laughs> and, uh, and Los Angeles can can lend itself to some murder, but. Yeah. Uh, but if you come to Los Angeles, what I'm telling you is you don't have to just go to Disneyland. You go to the strip you malls. Go to the strip malls. Find yourself. There's an Argentinian place right by here over on Sepulveda and Santa Coy yeah. that's called uh, Buenos Aires something. And it's a little grocery store, but it's also an amazing restaurant. Like there's a – the steak and eggs is ridiculously good because it's Argentinian steak, oh, meat. so spicy. And so – well, just really like – for some reason, the Argentinians give a shit. Uh, even yeah. if it's a breakfast steak, they're like, "No, we're gonna get decent meat. It's not gonna I be went ridiculous." Went to an Argentinian barbecue about a last summer. One um, of those skewer things, or yeah, uh, with my girlfriend, and and uh, it was just deli- It was just like too much food and just delicious and, and ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, and it's sort of like that. And they make. Uh, they also have this weird where they stack. You can buy an eight pack of ham, ham and cheese mm. sandwiches without the crusts on them that mm. you just turn into grilled cheese. But they serve two of those, two sandwiches with an egg fried on top of each of them. So two grilled ham and cheeses with two eggs. We should just get that now for breakfast. Oh man! And that's right, you didn't eat before you got here, so I'm no. sorry to be bringing up a thousand pounds of food. <laughs> okay, so we're. Uh, we just talked for 40 minutes about yeah. Walt Disney. <laughs> sure. Was that enjoyable? <laughs> that was amazing. Okay. It was, uh, but I do kind of want to play your titles thing. Okay. Is because what, what, what are you fascinated about titles? What does it mean? Right. So I've always been really interested in titles. I, I like how titles work, like the importance of titles. I've, I've been a TV writer at various times or TV producers where people are, you know, um, so we can get to the game in a second, but just like why I'm interested in it. Like, yeah. I'm always interested in like, like the movie, there's different types of titles. Like, like the movie Star Wars, I think is an incredibly, incredibly stupid title. And had you ever told me that you were coming out with a space movie <laughs> called Star Wars, I'd be like, that seems like a movie you made that you don't care about. It's not called The Adventures of Luke Skywalker. Right. Nope. It's called Star Wars. Well, that's lazy. Yeah. The movie isn't. You know, (laughs) same with Toy Story, one of my favorite films of all time, let alone Toy Story 2. Like, couldn't have a lazier title. Toy Story 2. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, um, and so I'm just always interested by like different types of titles and like you can have titles that sort of say what the thing is. Yeah. Or you can have like these abstract titles like, um, 
what's an example? Uh, I was just watching something like Stranger Things doesn't it tells you a mood, but it doesn't really tell you anything. It doesn't even tell me a mood. I have no idea right. what Stranger Things. I, I'm told that it's like an '80s ET. Thing? Sort is that of. right? More of a John Carpentery thing, but yeah. So it's kind of a horror. Yes, it okay. has monsters in it, and um, they are not nice. But um, but yeah, but there's. Um, but it's called Stranger Things. Yeah, and, Stranger and it's sort than of what? Stephen. Well, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's an evocative title, and then you can have like things like dialogue titles, like "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids," or okay, you know. Um, the uh, best and, little whorehouse in Texas. I watched it yesterday. Oh, I don't. Uh, that's a fun. I like those long-winded titles. Oh, do you like a long? Because yeah. it it really I spoke to me. Yeah, it, I, I knew exactly what it was about. It was clearly going to be set in Texas. There was going to be a whorehouse, and uh, they believed that it was exceptional. So a couple of years ago, we had a TV show on the Sundance uh, TV network, um, and it was it was originally sold. It was it was called the, eventually got called the Mortified Sessions. Um, and you can find it somewhere if right. you Google it. I don't know, but um, but it wasn't mortified. It was sort of an in, it was an interview series. It was actually sold as this show called the Shoebox Sessions. It had nothing to do with Mortified from the makers of Mortified, and it was like I would interview celebrities about their childhood writings and sort of piece together, kind of like we were saying at the top yeah. of this interview, like oh, the thing that shaped you as a kid. How did that make you the 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 rock star that you are now, or whatever right. you are. And so um, what was really uh, interesting was they eventually – they bought this idea and then at some point they were like, yeah, we don't like the name Shoebox Sessions. And I was like, okay, that's fine. Okay. And they were like, you know, I don't think they said this, but like you could argue like is that a a music show? Is that like – is it about sneakers? Like what is that? Right. Um, and um, so um, – <laughs> And there are reasons we named it that, but and and the, the executive said to me, "Look, um, we've hired a naming company, um, and they by the way they gave us like no money to do the show, so I was very offended that they hired a naming company because I know that that's like, you know, ten twenty thousand right. That's another giant bag of money that yeah. you could have. And I was like, we can sit around and brainstorm a list, and we have, and like you you don't want to hear right. ours. So they hired this naming company to come up with. Names. They said, we, we want to call it, can we call it Mortified? And I said, no, because that's the name of my show that I do. It's a different And I thing. would like to sell that, and you don't own the rights to that, and that yeah. would be a problem. They said, well, what if we call it Real Mortified? And I was like, that's actually worse. Yeah, that is weird. <laughs> so they, they, they didn't understand that how, how insulting that was, that they are the Real Mortified. So I, they said, we're going to call it one of three titles. Real Mortified. Nope. <laughs> and I was like, all right, you're going to deal with a lawsuit or something. Uh, Real Mortified. And then they were going to be like, we're going to call it uh, uh, some or something that these naming companies are, are going to come up with. And um, or maybe and I eventually tried to convince them. It made it. How about the Mortified Sessions or Mortified right. Conversations? Oh, that's is, what it came up with. Eventually. 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 And I. um but um, but they hired this company and like the company was came up with names like famous Seamus and like but at least that or like Starchives <laughs> the Star <laughs> which makes sense I get it but it's terrible no no I and get I it I said I don't want the word celebrity we all get it <laughs> <laughs> I said like I don't want the word celebrity in there because like if you book someone who's an up and coming person and you call it Star anything and all you have is this guy from a CW show, then your show doesn't seem cool anymore. It seems lame. Right. And uh, you know, Maria Bamford just did the world's worst celebrity cooks. 
It's awesome. And her joke was, it's a, literally a who's who of who. <laughs> and that's <laughs> so. amazing. That's amazing. So, um, so yeah, so they, they, they paid and the best was on this list of like somebody who got paid 20,000 or whatever it is to do. There was like names like peanut butter and jelly. Was like Those okay, are just words. I Those guess are- I guess that's childhood related. So it's like oh. oh, I sort of. And then there was ham and cheese. Nope. Which has nothing. And I was like, holy shit, this is a great business. And I got into <laughs> fights. I got into like arguments with the executive to be like, I was like, he's like, look, you know, American pu- public needs titles that say what they are. And I said, well, that's not true. Look at 30 Rock, which was on the air at the time. I was like, right. no one knows what that fucking means. Yeah. And I was like, look at Punk. Look at Catfish. He's yeah. like, well, Punk means to prank someone. I go, no. Now it does. Now it does. Before that, it meant getting raped in prison. Right. Look it up. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it doesn't and – and I did not know that. And all I know is that the word Punk – was a punky Brewster? Yeah, what? I right. mean, I don't but even know. But as a verb, what... it was like right. you punk somebody, you're raping them in prison. I did not know that. I'm, and, uh, I'm a prisoner, so oh, clearly, fair I, enough. I know things, right? Well, and the thing is, is you could have weird, like weird word knowledge like that, and it, it's and when that, that's weird. And when Disney, just to loop it around, when Disney came out with that movie John Carter, which was really John Carter of Mars, and it flopped, and apparently it's a pretty good movie. Um, do you remember John Carter coming out? I don't. Okay. It was this sci-fi. It was with a Hemsworth or probably, oh, really? I don't know, one of those hunky okay. dudes from right, the right. Uh, it flopped and it had this name and they just called it John Carter, which sounds like the name of a movie about a lawyer. Right. Right. That sounds like a white guy that you want to get you bail money. I mean, yeah. there's literally, there's any number of John Carter is a guy who owns a gardening store. <laughs> and it was because they had, they had data that said movies with the word Mars in the title flop. Couple, mm. Two years later, Matt Damon's The Martian comes out. The Martian out, comes out re- and is redefines all of that. And yeah. it's just like, no one knows fucking anything. Stop pretending that there are rules. Right. So I, I want a title. Like yeah. I've, I've, I have this comic. And I like book. the Dork Forest, by the way. Oh, Dork that's Forest! A title. Yeah, that's a fun. It's a fun title because it was. It came off of a joke that I did back in the late nineties, early two thousands, and uh, so. But I've I've written this comic book, and I don't like the title for it. And I told the editor. The editor's amazing. This guy, and uh, he's given me the best notes. And I said, you know, I don't like the title, and it's it's essentially. I told the story on Two Dope Queens on HBO and it, and they asked me to come up with a story for a comic book. And I have a story for a comic book that is this convoluted, like it's about fairies in the Pacoima Wash, yeah. which is behind my house. Uh, the Pacoima Wash is an offshoot of the LA River. Um, there's never any water in it. It's a great place if you lived in the movie Grease to have uh, a drag race. So, but the Pacoima Wash, I have an idea for a comic book set there. It's too big for what they wanted. So I just went with this story that I told on Two Dope Queens where I push an old man for saying the N-word. Anyway, it's a fascinating tale. And uh, But the thing is, is I've called it the unlikely patriot. And it's such a weird, like, it's sort of, I mean, it it's sort of true in the mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. I never thought of myself as patriotic, but this guy badmouths America. Sure. And I lose my shit. Right, and, and it's a positive title. So, the, the unlikely patriot, it makes sense, but it isn't. It doesn't really trip off. I mean, I'm thinking ham and cheese is right. what I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking maybe I call it peanut butter and jelly or something else. Just something that really speaks to America. On the next ham and cheese. <laughs> 
something episodic. So I, yeah. So like, what are your favorite titles? Um, well, if you like those long ones, I I like I like long. I mean, I'm just. I always did like in terms of the long ones. I always like um, in the Englishman who went up the mountain, to, <laughs> you know, and came down with a pile of soup or whatever oh, that right. movie's called. <laughs> I do like that. Um, but um, do you like a title and then a subtitle, which tells you a little bit more about the sometimes, title? Sometimes, yeah, yeah. definitely for books. I, I find that interesting that like books do subtitles and movies, unless they're nonfiction, just do. That's not a thing. Yeah, like that's you know. Um, uh, unless it's like an arty film, like Birdman colon. Right. Wasn't that movie called like Birdman or How to Something? Oh, right. It had like yeah, a yeah, whole the, other long ass. Yeah, Michael. You know. Um, so, yeah, I'm just fascinated by how we uh, – and, and even even as it comes to names, you know, like Jackie or David or whatever. Like yeah. just uh, how titles and, and how we brand everything. And, you know, I, I'm very – with mortified, which I think is a is a strong word, I think it's a really good word. Yeah. But it's also it's also a negative word, and so it, you know, for those who don't know what it is, it sometimes can be a. I've learned it because mort some, actually means death. Well, it, it means the, the little death yeah, or something. Embarrassed like that, right? to the point of death. Yeah. Yeah. And but like um, one of the reasons they uh, Sundance was not going to name it the mortified sessions was because Subaru, who was the sponsor. Was like, oh, I don't want to be associated with the word mortified. That, that's not <laughs> positive. Mm-hmm. And and I think they just said it offhandedly. I don't think they really meant it. And right. then, of course, the the network goes, oh, and they Quick. panic. Right. And rather than having a conversation, they turn it into just um, bail. Yeah, they just bail. And um, but but whereas our brand, mort- like mortified, is as you know, if you watch it on on Netflix or whatever, or, or read any of our books, like. It's a positive, like we are a feel good comedy show, right? And it is, it is, it using, is a celebration. It of, is a celebration of, yeah. of of these things that we all created when we were children. And you might cry even during our comedy show, which is not a thing you normally do during a comedy right. show. <laughs> and it's very sweet, even when it gets raunchy. And um, so, but it does have this. It's not called like, you know, um, remember when? It's called this this very. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a very powerful visceral word. Yeah. Which is like, it's just called mortified, and and, it, and there's many yeah. reasons why it is. But I mean, I almost called it Debbie's diary, which was the name of my sister because I saw, I used to read her diary. Okay. And I thought, oh, the experience of the audience is like everyone's like a nosy little brother. Okay. So I might have called it that. I almost yeah, yeah. called it Crush Night. Um, okay. Because people talk about their crushes. Yeah, and because I thought the show was going to be just people reading unsent love letters, until I realized that is way too narrow. It's super narrow. I don't know anybody who has unsent just, love letters. Just me. Just you. It yeah. turns out you have just stacks of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I have this game. I don't know if we have time to play. Right. The game. We have about five minutes. Let's yeah. do it. So this is a game that I like to play. That's really fun uh, with titles, which is um, just. Making up something, improvising a title, and um, just seeing like what what is that like? Can that can that be actually not such a bad idea? Um, and just making something out of out of a title, so out of whole cloth. Let's yeah, do it. Let's let's um, uh, let's let's put some parameters on that. Uh, the title can be let's put a color in it. Okay, and I'll make you have make it up. It's a color, and maybe it's four words. Hunter Green. 
Okay. No, I'm saying, and so. No, you don't want suggestions. Yeah. No, I'm saying what, like, let's make up what the title is, but there has to be a color somewhere in it, and let's make it a four-word title. This is very arbitrary because I'm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. So. What would be something that comes to your mind? It comes to my mind with four words yeah, that has anything, and two of those words can be Hunter Green, since I just said the words Hunter Green. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, this is why improv is actually harder than people realize. Uh, so, all right. How about this? I have glasses on the table right now. Mm-hmm. What about that? Black glasses on the table. Right. Okay. So black glasses on the table. Right. So I don't know if it's a good title or not. It's I, I'm intrigued by it. Sure. So I guess it's sort of good. Right. What is that? Is that a book? Is that a movie? Is that a TV show? Is it a song? Glasses on the table. Black glasses on the table. Black glasses on the table. I feel, um, <laughs> if it definitely could be a song, like it could be like a country oh, song. It could be a song. Yeah. There you go. It's just some sort co- of like the tale of of of. Somebody leaving. Yeah, they're they're right. You've stomped out in a huff. Yeah, and yes, all that exactly. remains are those black glasses on the table. Right, and and it's like a. Is it a? Do you think that's probably a, a romantic relationship or is like it a, a lover spat? Yeah, or is it um it, it is it a, a business deal gone wrong? Ooh, or is it uh, black glasses on the table? I think it's or is it just a, it's a it's a distraction. It uh, um could be. You're distractedly. You're like you're late for something, yeah. and you got to dash off. You've left your black glasses. I feel like it's one of those songs that's written in this vague way, where it's like it probably is about romance. But if you want to <laughs> read into it, that it's about your strained relationship with your brother. Sure, it could know. also be that. It could it be that. Be, and that's and that's the last I ever saw <laughs> was black glasses on the table. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so it could it could literally be that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I just, yeah. And like, and is there like, is that, uh, probably a male singer or a female singer who would do a thing like that? Or okay. is that, I thought of it more as a sort of a, um, or a band like fun. Oh, the band fun would sing about black glasses on the oh, table. Oh, that's interesting. I saw a ballad. So what, what, how, like, what do you mean? So fun, well, their big song was, was uh, the we're about, young. Yeah. Uh, featuring, yeah. Right. yeah okay. And then carry on. I, I, for some reason I have the album in my head right now, right. but black glasses on the table would be probably, uh, he's out partying. He's gotten too drunk. He's left his glasses on the table. And, uh, and the next morning he wakes up and he's like, I can almost see where they are, uh, from the drunken haze the night before. And it's uh, more of a rock ballad, but ballad, oh. sure. Oh, you do see it as ballad, but yeah. I, but I, but I do think. Uh, but it is. I, 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 I like it as a story. Yeah, I don't mind it. Uh, Black glasses on the table could also be a noir novella. Oh, right. Where you, uh, and if that got adapted into a movie, who would star in that? <laughs> it would be. I like the idea of sort of a um, a Robert Mitchum. Oh, It'd be oh, a, oh like an older movie. <laughs> right, I was right. thinking Jessica Chastain, like. <laughs> Today I can't name anybody new. That's oh, my biggest okay. problem. You just, like, and actually, yeah. you just know Robert Mitchum, and that's yeah, the only he's celebrity. the only person. Uh, and then Charles Durning comes to mind. <laughs> For some reason, Charles Durning is there. <laughs> he should be in everything. <laughs> well, do you know that Charles Durning? Fun fact: He is in the band Fun. Uh, 
I did not know. Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird, weird crossover. Weird crossover. It's um. Well, this has been a delight, quite honestly. <laughs> Dave Nadelberg, you guys, uh, at Mortified, and it's getmortified.com. And uh, we have mostly talked about Walt Disney, but I like the title thing. The it art was, of titles. The art of titles yeah. and the sort of the branding kind of hooked up with the, with the Walt thing, quite honestly. Yeah. And thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Jackie. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. My hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?